it doesn't take a global pandemic for people to work from home. But the coronavirus sure has increased the circle to include so many more of us. Whether you're juggling little kids while trying to get that paper written, isolated and lacking the inspiration you usually get from daily encounters, or just happy you're finally not stuck in traffic, Welcome to Even Remotely Effective, a podcast bringing you practical tips from people like you for overcoming the challenges of working from home so you can become even remotely more effective in your pursuits. I'm Daphna Gold-Melchior, wishing us all to soon be able to resume choosing how much remote and how much in-person work we'd prefer. And meanwhile, let's master remoteliness. You'll have to pardon me if I exceed the legal limit of that's incredible per episode on this one, because my guest, Susie McLaughlin, completely astounded me. Susie and her husband are raising two gorgeous children, which she's homeschooling, by the way, on their Australian farm, located hours away from major cities. So her baseline remoteliness is at a whole new level. Through her love of learning and research, passion to making a real difference in the world, and her trademark persistence, Susie has become an entirely self-made entrepreneur, founding Mindful Nutrients, a company producing an evidence-based micronutrient blend to help people struggling with low mood and anxiety, as well as kids with ADHD and coping with autism spectrum disorder. If it weren't for the corona outbreak, she'd be at Harvard MIT Healthcare Innovators Program to which she's been admitted. Oh, and P.S., she's done it all single-handedly, literally, because she was born with one hand. And that may have been one of the defining factors instilling in her the courage and determination that she could find the ways to do the things that are important to her. Susie shares with us how Seth Godin's Akimbo workshops equipped her with the skill sets and social support that made all the difference, why she chose her particular line of business, and how remoteness can actually be quite beneficial. Hi, Susie. How are you? Daphna, it's so lovely to be speaking to you. Thank you for phoning me. Thank you so much for agreeing. So I thought that perhaps you could provide our even remotely effective listeners with your unique perspective on working effective remotely. I would really love to do that because it was a challenge for me when I moved to our farm 13 years ago. I'd gone from being very social and I'd lived in lots of different cities around the world. And when I moved to the farm, it was really just me and my husband and the sheep and subsequently, you know, obviously our beautiful children. But that lack of daily contact with other people kind of threw me a bit. I think I ended up feeling a bit unmoored for a while. And so one of the things that I've learned is that that is actually in itself not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes being quiet and still enables you to actually really look at yourself and look at your life. And if you have a faith, it gives you time to draw closer to that and to maybe separate yourself from the noise in the world and work out what it is that's truly important to you and maybe what it is that you might have been put here to contribute. Wow. So what have you been put here to contribute? Well, I think daily, obviously, my family is the priority. But one of the causes that I hold very close to my heart is the impact that our modern diets have on our children's mood and learning, particularly conditions like ADHD, depression and anxiety are now becoming linked in evidence-based RCT studies to a lack of adequate nutrition. And our big pharma, big food, industrialized diets are really leaving our children a little bit malnourished 
malnourished and you'd call it I think the concept is best put as hidden hunger so they look well they seem to be full but their bodies and brains just aren't getting the diversity of nutrients that they need their gut requires a range of different vitamins and minerals through often a really wide range of vegetables and fruits and we just don't get that if they're having a diet of chicken nuggets and chips or pizzas or highly processed white breads and grains so this is one of the things that I set my mind to trying to do something about so how did you go about doing that how are you addressing that unmet need well to start with I can't claim any great inspiration I actually started with a little popcorn business because I thought I'm working from the farm I'd love to make something to have contact with the outside world so honestly it was toffee coated popcorn and it went really well I ended up being able to work with a contract manufacturer in Adelaide a few hours away who employed disabled people and that was brilliant but I got too big for them and then I had to make a decision whether I was really prepared to keep building a business on making people unhealthy so I decided to look into trying to make a functional snack food and that's hard to do without a lot of support from factories and scientists and out here we just don't have that I'm an inveterate researcher so I actually came across some research from New Zealand into a specific blend of vitamins and minerals that had been shown in randomized controlled trials and published in the British Journal of Psychiatry many years ago with lots of follow-ups and I thought that's going to be me so it was a huge journey I had to do so much work in even trying to find out how to manufacture the medicine and list it as a medicine in Australia I did it over a year and I've been admitted into the Harvard MIT healthcare innovators program and we're about to start clinical trials here in Melbourne as well amazing yeah so it is possible we can do things pretty much alone Seth and his wonderful courses made a huge difference to me though I I didn't do it alone not really so you're a grassroots self-made entrepreneur I think you could definitely say that. I think you definitely could because when I look out of my windows, I see grass and I see sheep and I see trees. And you're running a (laughs) startup. But I also see the internet. You're running a startup from a remote farm in Australia. Yeah, I really am. We're five hours drive from Melbourne and about four hours drive from Adelaide. What are the greatest challenges of running a full-fledged scientific-based startup from a remote farm and how are you overcoming those challenges? I think if I'm going to be really honest with you, it was the idea that it was actually possible I mean, I had this vision to do it, but there was nothing in my background that told me that I was qualified for it or gave me any sort of professional expertise to actually do it. So that was a huge challenge for me, I think. Good for you for believing in yourself. It takes a while, but I think like everything, it's one step at a time, isn't it? And if you keep that momentum, if you just keep making one small step every day, just one step, something every day, it can make a big difference. And I think it's Eleanor Roosevelt who said that you have to do one thing that scares you every day. And I pretty much live that over the past 12 to 18 months. Fantastic. So once you started believing you could actually do it, what concrete difficulties and challenges are there when you think about being a startup as opposed to a startup that is located within a big metropolitan city center and has access to all of the auxiliary services? How do you get your services? What do you need and how do you get it? Well, Daphne, I don't know what that would be like. I can't really comment on what it must be like to be part of a big ecosystem like that, except for the fact, honestly, that my ecosystem has been built over the internet. I mentioned Seth before with a lot of his courses that I have done and the wonderful community that surrounds them. 
I will say that's probably been my main source of social support as much as anything else over the time I've been doing this work. Which of Seth's courses have you done? We're talking about Seth Godin's amazing kingdom of akimbo workshops. That's right. Well, I've pretty much done all of them apart from the podcast fellowship, which could have been helpful given what we're doing now (laughs) and the alt MBA. So what did you find particularly helpful in terms of the skill sets as well as the cohort? Look, many years ago, Seth put a blog post out and I must have only just newly subscribed to his feed. And it was talking about if not now, when? And it was really a sort of a declaration of values, really practical values, like look out for the little guy and really simple but profound things like that. And so for me, that has guided my work over the years. And it's shown me that there are people who think like that out there. And so even to know that in my own imagination has really given me the courage, I think, to have a go. And nothing's ever guaranteed. You know, you can have all the best infrastructure in the world. You can have millions of dollars backing you. And some of those ventures still fail. So why not? Why not try? Amazing. So what are the tools and practices that you actually use now every day in order to manage your startup from a remote location? Well, I've really got to learn about so many different things. And that's been very exciting for me. But in terms of discipline, I certainly have time before I start work in prayer. I have a short series of exercises, high intensity exercises that I find make an enormous difference to my energy and also make me feel more confident, I think. I have a great breakfast, obviously. I take my powder, which I really do think has given me the ability to do the work I'm doing. I was never very confident before and it just kind of seemed to stabilize my moods and decrease my anxiety. And then apart from that, I keep really copious notes actually and I am very big on a notebook, pencil and checking things off a to-do list. Of course, that's changed now that I'm homeschooling our children. So we'll see how I go cramming it into the beginning and the end of the day. Fantastic. Do you have a team at all with you or is it is your husband a partner to you in the business as well? You know, my husband is a grazier, so he runs our farm and I'm very grateful to him for the work that he does because that's given me the freedom to spend the time that I've needed to grow this business. And it's only been going for about a month and a half and we were already getting some really exciting interest in what we do and it's helping people. I had a message from a woman who has a child with autism that's so severe he isn't able to speak and she said to me for the first time ever he went to the supermarket and he didn't go into the chips and the chocolate aisle. He went and he wanted some plain rice crackers and for her that was miraculous because he's never done it before. So that idea that I'm actually helping to nurture these precious kids and making a difference to their carers and their parents means the world to me. She attributed his choice in the supermarket to having used your powder? She absolutely did. She absolutely did. That's an incredible testimonial. Yeah, it really is. You're saying that you're running this whole thing single-handedly? Yes, I am. That's incredible. Who's doing it? You say single-handedly because I was actually born with one hand as well. No way. So I've contracted that to a pharmaceutical manufacturer. It's not the sort of thing you can kind of concoct on your kitchen bench, Daphne. It's pretty tightly regulated here in Australia and I'm sure for you as well. Sure. All of these processes are very, very strict. So yes, that was a challenge to find the manufacturer to establish the evidence. We've just gone down a general track at the moment, but getting the evidence together to make the claims that we can make to list it as a medicine with our Therapeutic Goods Administration here in Australia was challenging, but that's been done. So yeah, I mean, as I said, step by step, one day at a time. So do you just spend the whole day on your phone, on your computer to be in touch with the suppliers and the manufacturers and the pharmaceutical company? And how are you marketing it? You're doing that yourself as well? Yes, I am. That has its own trajectory as well. I've got things that I need to learn to make that better. But yes, as it stands, I have spent considerable time on the internet and obviously in contact with all of the contributors to making this happen. I've got a garden and I cook. I'm a very keen cook. I love food. I'm an active, very involved mother.
other. As I said, I'm also homeschooling. It is important, I think, to decide on what your priorities are. And it's amazing how you can fit things around what's really important. That's absolutely incredible. And do you find that you have to periodically schedule trips to Adelaide, to Melbourne in order to stock up on some things that aren't available locally? No, not particularly. I mean, I was going to stock up on my knowledge and my social networks by coming to Boston and I should be there at the moment, but that obviously has not happened. Really, it's incredible how much I am able to do remotely. So it's not a business that I'm running from the farm in the sense that I'm not using local dispatch services or anything like that. I've built in growth into my planning from the very start. So hopefully my systems will carry me quite a long way through those bumpy early days that startups tend to have. And the pharmaceutical company is producing the powder and transferring it to some kind of manufacturing and packaging plant and all that happens without you having to be there physically to oversee it? Absolutely. So this is all very strictly regulated. There are all sorts of quality controls and ISO stand in place around that. It is a medicine and it is treated as such through the manufacturing and packaging process. That's incredible. How many locations is it already being sold at? At the moment, we're in contact with practitioners. So we find it's great. It's available online to parents who want to try it with their children. And I certainly have a lot of interest in that, particularly locally with people who know me and know the business. I mean, as I said, it's only been going for a month, but the practitioner networks, and I think particularly dietitians, important to us because they already understand the significance of nutrition to mental health, to focus, to learning. And parents who take their children to a nutritionist or a dietitian also understand the significance. There's one element of the story that we kind of don't really need to tell when we're dealing with people like that and practitioners like that. And that, I think, makes sense for us at this stage as we begin. You don't sound like you're beginning. You sound like you're well, well into it. Well, I've had a lot of time to think and to plan. Yeah, it's important. The stakes are high. It's something that can make a significant difference to children and to be perfectly honest to adults as well. So it's very important that I do it well and I do it responsibly and thoughtfully. Sure. Which experiences in your life prepared you for this and gave you the skill sets that you need and that you're using most right now? That's a really lovely question. I was born with one hand and I think that always taught me to be persistent in finding a way to do things that I wanted to do. So I didn't really want to be different from anybody else. I guess maybe there's a certain adaptability that comes with that mindset or that physical difference. And there's a determination that comes from wanting to be able to achieve the way that other children could. So I'd say that's probably been a fairly profound impact for me. I'm also quite an academic person. I love to read. I love researching things. I think I'm a fairly avid student of human nature as well and trying to work out. Obviously, a product like ours doesn't operate in isolation. There are other factors in the lives of children and adults that contribute to healthy lives. And as you were saying before, for you in Jerusalem, that social contact, that community is really fundamentally important, I think. Absolutely. Wow, Susie, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Maybe just one final tip if there are people listening to us right now contemplating entrepreneurship, but they have this idea for something that they want to bring into the world, but they're not sure that this is the right Mm -hmm. time. They're not sure that the location that they're at would provide for it. What would you tell them? I would tell them that they're very sensible to consider those questions. You know, it is a huge commitment to put something into the world, a big commitment emotionally in terms of your time and in terms of finances as well. I would never be rash in suggesting somebody leaves their job and decides to go full-time into establishing an entrepreneurial venture. But what I would very, very strongly suggest is that the time that they have 
that's free. Again, they just take the first smaller steps to establishing whether there is demand for what they want to do, to talk to their connections, their friends, their contacts, to create a very small, simple model maybe of what it is that they're thinking of and to see if there's demand for it. That can tell you a lot. So they should first create some sort of minimal viable product. You need to test your ideas. You need to be brave enough to go to the people around you and to say, here, I made this. What do you think? And that stops you from hiding. That stops you from building castles in the air, I think. It gives you a very clear sense of whether what you're thinking about is something that other people will benefit from. And in the end, that's what we're here for. That's what business is here for, to create things that make people's lives better. It's so beautiful to hear Seth in your words, here I made this and stop hiding. Yeah, you can see. I wasn't kidding when I said he's made a big difference to me. I greatly admire his work and I feel like he's made a big difference in mine as well. Wow, a true privilege. Now I've gotten to meet you through his community as well. It's so lovely, Daphne. It's so lovely Susie, to speak thank with you. you. And it's thank so lovely so for me to chat to somebody in that beautiful city. Thank you so much. Well, I hope that we can all in great health resume traveling as soon as possible and that we can visit one another between Australia and Israel and that each of us can go the places we want to go and continue to meet beautiful people. I wish you the best of luck with Mindful now, Nutrients. I can't wait for that. Thank you so much. I hope you found this even remotely helpful. If you're seeking consultation on effective messaging and presentations remotely and hopefully soon in person again, reach out on LinkedIn. I'm Daphna Gold Melchior. That's Daphna, D-A-F-N-A, Gold, G-O-L-D, Melchior, M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R. Here's to the health and wellness of you and your loved ones.